This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to episode 117 of With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, with a special eye to the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. I am your co-host, Reverend Ogan Holder, and here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and co-creation. After a little bit of an unscheduled break, we're back uh, with Reverend Kelly. Hello, Reverend Kelly. Hello. I was doing a weird Enneagram thing while you were talking, and you said episode 117, and 117 adds up to a nine, and you're a nine, so it must be a magical episode. That sounds, I'm not going to lie to you, that sounds very like, uh, like, like MAGA conspiracy theory sort of stuff or or even or even or even like or even like i don't know if you saw the whole numerology thing around taylor swift performing at the super bowl yes right i'm going like uh folks sometimes sometimes things are just things (laughs) i know so you said that that i was like shows you where my brain's at at the moment but i'll get i'll get it on on board (laughs) so just if you were listening to this for the first time, just be clear, this is not a numerology podcast, and it's not that we are anti-numerology. That's just not what we do here. So right. just, just like right. to point that out. But if you are a numerology person and that really resonated with you, keep listening. <laughs> keep listening. As always, thank you to our listeners and our subscribers all over the world. We are listening to in over 30 countries, and you can help join in on what we talk about. Hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, or handle is at get our get our holy on. Get our holy on. And you can leave a message on our voicemail, 413-438-4659 or 413 get holy. What's going on with us coming up? We have our uh, affinity groups. We have two every month. The first Wednesday and the third Wednesday. The first Wednesday of the month is our communal group. And I have to say that this month on the first Wednesday of February, the group that we had was, it's, I always love having the group and I'm, so I'm doing a shameless self-promotion. Um, but what, what I really loved about it was that noticing how over the last, you know, two and a half years, almost three years, um, how it's changed and grown and the the trust that's been, you know, extended and just, you know, kind of deeper and deeper. And it's not like there's a ton of us in there, 
but it, even you know if there's four or six or eight or whatever it is, I've just noticed the the energy and the power of affinity groups. And for me, that's where the work is at. So the first Wednesday is the communal. The third Wednesday, which is this, uh, if so, this is Tuesday. We're recording Tuesday, February twentieth. Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, February twenty-first, is the third Wednesday of the month. So we will have our affinity groups where Ogan facilitates the group uh, with BIPOC identifying people and I facilitate a group with those that identify as white bodies. And again, um, the work, that's where the work is for dismantling racism, for, you know, for self-awareness, for, you know, if you ever hear yourself saying, well, what should I do? Get your ass into an affinity group and you'll find out right quick. So that's at 7.30 Eastern time. Um, we also have uh, our Conscious Anti-Racism Self-Paced course. Is It's five modules. It's it's Reverend Ogan and I doing videos and talking, you know, working our way through some uh, general topics and a little bit deeper topics into dismantling racism. And again, five modules, different topic on each module. And of course there's homework, but it's, it's self-paced. So we'd never know if you did your homework. And there's exercises, and um, you can find more about that on our website, projectsanctus.com. Um, the uh, Ogan, you have your um, second and fourth Wednesday of every month, you have your uh, group, Men Better Together, and you can find out, and that's at 8 p.m. Eastern, and you can find out more about that at reverendoganholder.com slash men. Um, anything else you want to add to that? Uh, no, other than it is happening next week. We didn't, we didn't have one, uh, this past second Wednesday It was Valentine's night. And, um, I had a previously scheduled event to go to. Um, so, but it is happening on the 28th. So 28th of February will be our next, uh, online get together. So again, we, we, we have mean, some real. You mean the 28th? Yeah. What did I say? 20th oh i thought i said 20th my bad uh 20 oh, the 21st either <laughs> no the 28th the 28th 28th um and um if if the men listening and when i say men i'm referring to all self-identified males so trans men are welcome um men uh who is we we have some real like heart-centered vulnerable conversations yes we laugh a lot too but but this ends up being a place where people are um, again, men are sharing and and learning from each other and just being real vulnerable and open and and bringing things to the space for us to um, you know um, support each other with and and it's a beautiful gathering and I look forward to it um, growing some more and I still plan to show up regardless of who's there and who's not there but but we've got a nice little core group going and. Um, the offer is extended to to all of you. I hear a lot of women say, oh my God, this is so great. I'm going to recommend this to my partner, boyfriend, friend, all of that. And that's awesome. Now actually push them a little more to show up. You may have told them, but now go follow up. <laughs> make sure, <laughs> make sure. Because with the amount of you that said you're telling your, your, your friend slash boyfriend slash partner slash husband, uh, I was I was expecting yeah like dozens of men to be showing uh, up. Yeah. 
<laughs> and not as many dozens yet, but it's still it's still great conversation. And as always, uh, please, we invite you to support the work we do um, by heading to projectsanctus.com slash donate and uh, make a gift to, you know, keep the keep the train on the tracks, keep the lights on, keep the internet hosting bill paid, all those things. Um, we appreciate it. Um, so if you listen to our last episode, which was a couple of weeks ago, we had said that um, for Black History Month, we were going to highlight some Black voices and, you know, that old saying, how to make God laugh, tell your plans. And then we had a bunch of personal things happen as well that kind of like sidelined us for a little bit. So um, now we are we are back. And what we thought we'd do today is, uh, you know, lean in a little bit more to some Black History Month related headlines um and yeah just just have a have a conversation around around those things um so yeah yeah and and, and, and we've done you know headline episodes before and this one mm -hmm. is we're not going to cover as many but go a little bit deeper perhaps into the conversation you know not talk a long time but but fewer uh oh, we're, we're, we're probably going to talk a long time have you met us I know. Well, I know we have to. I'm working on it. No, it's not a complaint. I'm just saying, don't make promises we're not going to keep. Oh, that's right. Don't make promises I can't keep. My mama always said that. Uh, exactly. Fewer headlines and connecting them more to current events as opposed to just sort of delivering news. How's that? All right. Sounds like a good plan. Let's jump in. What's what's first up? I want to start with Caitlin Clark and the basketball. Uh, ah. you know, um, and I'm not, I'm, uh, first, let me say, I'm not dogging on Caitlin Clark. Um, if you're not, if you don't know who Caitlin Clark is, first of all, go Google her, but she's, um, she, the world is watching her because she's set all time scoring records for NCAA women's basketball. And, um, and, and she's, uh, She's surpassed the previous mark of 3,527 points in a season. And um, and the world is watching and everybody's gone crazy. I don't know, crazy, but celebrating her, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the score that she's, the, uh, the score, the record that she broke um, and uh, is a woman named Kelsey Plum who now plays for the WNBA. And mm -hmm. so I don't want to take away from Caitlin Clark. Like I have no idea how you know what possibly could go into being that level of a star and what for me has happened is that no one's looking at the shoulders that she stands on and particularly two black women um Lynette Woodard and Pearl Moore and um they, and again, not taking away from Caitlin, and I want to put the focus on these two women, because both of them um, have uh, records that Caitlin has not broken. The, right. tr the problem is, is that, you know, the NCAA didn't exist when these two women played, or they didn't really keep, you know, records the same way. But um, Lynette Woodard, she played in the late 70s and the early 80s. And she scored over 3,600 points over, you know, her four years. So, the, you know, it's kind of like, well, why isn't Woodard the all-time scoring leader? After all, more points is more points, right? That's, you know, for those of us, not right. necessarily basketball and, savvy. And, and I think, too. 
And I think it bears mentioning, and I don't think you mentioned this. So the record that Caitlin Cart um, just broke was 3,527 points, 3,527 points. So yeah. this is this is well over 100 points more. And, you know, given the average scoring rate of NCAA players, unless they are like having like one of those like shooting the lights out kind of nights, like we're talking teens, maybe 20s of points. So this is still this is still like a good five, six games maybe to catch up uh, to this record. But but to your point, yes, it's you know, the caveats or the workarounds of not highlighting these individuals is that, yes, the the NCAA as we know it um, doesn't exist. And and I think it, it should always be mentioned, and this is, you know, this is what's hidden the news in certain circles. Again, probably mostly progressive circles is that they're being very clear to say it is an NCAA women's basketball record, not just like, a collegiate level basketball yeah. level um and but aren't following up and i've seen this and i've seen this more so this is not just i think a uh race issue i think it's also a gender issue because yeah. what i often see in like men's basketball when this happens like in the nba because they more follow professional sports when records are broken in the current NBA structure, if there's another record that existed before the NBA, like it was the ABA and other uh, other conferences, yeah. they will mention that automatically, right? This record was previously held by this person. However, even before the NBA came about, so-and-so, you know, broke that record. We're just speaking about records that happened as the NBA existed. I have not been hardly seeing this around the Caitlin Clark coverage, um, yeah. which is which is why, you know, again, part of the reason you're you're, you're bringing it uh, to us is that, yeah. Um, what, well, the, the, Woodard played at a time before the, the NCAA existed, but did not recognize women's collegiate sports. So, you know, so Lynette Woodard and her, her you right. know, fabulousness didn't count. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But, so, but... Um, and again, not taking anything from Caitlin Clark because being being a professional athlete, even being a top tier college athlete, is is a ridiculously is ridiculously hard. And also, let's address the inherent gender bias in things because you know you will always have those ridiculous men who are like you know, uh, it's it's women women playing sports aren't as good as men playing the same sports, and I will like defy any male you know yeah. amateurish tennis player to go up against uh, you know serena williams or yeah. or or any any player like that um i would i would challenge i would challenge any uh male basketball armchair player you know who who throws up 20 points at the y to go up against kate and clark like it's you're just you're just out of your league so yeah. so we always we always have to have to mention not just the racial aspect of it, but the gender issue around women's sports and also the in the inequities in pay and yep. attention around around women's um, sports as well. Um, still, still a long way to go with that. Well, and the thing about Lynette Woodard um, is that she became a two-time Olympian. She uh, she won a gold as the captain of Team USA at the 1984 mm -hmm. Games. She was the first 
female member of the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, and then she came out of retirement to when the WNBA first came about, she came out of retirement to play for the WNBA. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just like collegiate. She, you know, yeah. um, went on. But what and I really have, sorry. Twitter, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and then we have more who scored 4,061 points. Yep. Um, and, but because the school she went to is in division one, it's, you know, we don't, they don't pay as much attention uh, to those scores. Um, well, and, and keep in mind mm -hmm. that uh, for more, there was three point shots didn't exist. Wow. So that even yeah. makes it, that even makes it a yes. more, more of a testament to her skill. Yes. And yes. he's had this record of over 4,000 points for decades. And, you know, who knows if and when that'll be broken. Um, but yeah. I just, you know, not having the three-point shot, you know, that's available to Caitlin Clark. And again, I'm not taking away from Caitlin Clark. No, we're not. Yeah. We can, we can honor, we can honor both. Um, yeah. uh, to their, to their credit, uh, Moore was um, inducted in the 2021 class for the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. So, so, so her achievements have been recognized in that in that regard. Um, and at the same time, again, with all the attention going to Caitlin Clark, most people aren't aware that we still have these two outstanding records that right. surpass her. So yes, give Caitlin Clark her flowers um, and, you know, maybe plant some arboretums for these other two women. Well, and the thing, so and the work. last thing I'll say about, about both of these women, um, well, actually the three-point shot didn't exist when Lynette Woodard was playing either. So, right. um, but what I really love was they both um, made statements about, you know, record-breaking and, and, you know, what Caitlin Clark was doing. And both women... Mm -hmm. Lynette Woodard and Pearl Moore were, were just amazing about it. They honor Caitlin's accomplishments. They want, they, you know, shine a light on it because, you know, they paved a way, they, you know, were blazing trails, but so is Caitlin. Um, and they applaud her and they both say that records are made to be broken. And, um, yeah. you know, and so like Pearl Moore's record is more than 40 years and She's still, if Caitlin breaks it, she's like, great. Like, yeah. and I just love the, the it's just classy. You know? Yes. Yes, it is. Good on, good on her. Yeah. Um, so moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to, uh, uh, well, I have to, um, you know, this ridiculousness around abortion and abortion rights and, you know, uh, bodily autonomy. There's, um, two recent events um, <clears throat> that I just, um, you know, I try not to get too arg, you know, but the hypocrisy is just overwhelms me. So the first mm -hmm. story is this Texas man in, uh, I think he's in the Houston area, <sighs> that he drugged his wife's drink. <clears throat> so he, he put drugs, I don't remember which one, into his wife's drink in order to induce an abortion. Okay. Um, and he got sentenced to 180 days in jail. Okay. But if the woman went out to get an abortion, she'd how many years would they? She'd be charged with murder and how many years in jail? 
um, you know, it just, I'm like, you know, just like now I can't really make a sentence, um, right. over it. Cause I don't, um, you know, he, he, part of the drugs that he put in her drink was the misoprostol that the medicine that's used to induce abortion. Um, yeah. and he, uh, he tried repeatedly and, you know, got six months in jail. But yet, if a woman goes out and does that, it's she's going to be, you know, arrested and likely charged with attempted murder um, and um, assault. So, um, so I'm looking up. So um, I'm actually looking this up now because you asked, like, what what would a woman get? And I was like, I I kind of don't know um, that. It actually says the actual law is, let me see. So this was, I'm reading from the Houston Chronicle and this is dated February 19th, 2024. Um, it says that um, doctors who administer abortions can be charged under the 2022 law that makes it a felony providing an abortion and is punishable with life in prison. But the law explicitly states that women who have abortions won't face legal or civil penalties. So it's except so, that you need a doctor to. <laughs> well, yeah this this is the catch. This is the catch. Twenty two, the law criminalizes. So the law doesn't criminalize the women because apparently that would be quote unquote cruel. So it criminalizes the doctors, and I guess this man was technically considered um, in uh, as someone who was inducing an abortion. Um, so therefore um, the, um, so I guess that's where, that might've been where that sentencing occurred. But the overall picture here is that it's still punishing women. It's still a law that punishes women because they, if they're going to get an abortion in Texas, well, they can't because uh, because right. unless a, a doctor is willing to break the law and put their own um, put their own risk at put their own um, what am I calling put their own life you know at risk with uh, imprisonment, then women still have to go out of state somewhere um right. to to do that and i so yeah it's still it's 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 still punishing it's still punishing the women so i guess my question then also so it's so so she didn't <clears throat> she didn't know this was happening it sounds like no not at first uh he tried seven times though oh jeez seven times to kill the child and he got six months in jail Oh, oh, wait, wait, and 10 years probation, you know. Uh, but he tried, um, um, he had initially been charged with felony assault to induce an abortion. Uh, but he tried seven times um, to, uh, to uh, abort the baby oh, and yeah. um, obviously wasn't, wasn't successful. But she, he started by, you know, lecturing her about, you know, are you getting enough water? Like, like trying to make it sound like I'm caring about your health. 
you know, and being uh-huh. hydrated. And she had become really ill after drinking from a cup and a, he, the husband, a cup and it, apparently the liquid in it was cloudy. And the husband said it was maybe a result of the, the cup was dirty or the water pipes, but she, um, she started to become suspicious and began refusing other drinks that he would offer. And then she found in the trash, the packaging for the misoprostol medication. Um, she installed hidden cameras. Um, what is wrong with people? Sorry. Mixing. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with people? I don't know. I can't with people sometimes. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my God. But um, I just Anyways. thought the hypocrisy was just too, I just couldn't, I was like, ugh, again. And then we have that whole mess in Alabama, which yes. this is, is yeah. a, a whole thing. Them recently deciding that uh, uh, IVF embryos, frozen embryos are children. children. Frozen embryos created through in vitro fertilization are children under state law. And I kind of, I kind of don't under, I mean. Yeah. And and, and it was um, so. Put these folks in a biology class, please. In a biology class. Say that again. What? (laughs) Put these folks in a biology class. Oh yeah, like know. you know, you know, and 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 differentiating the difference between science and morality. Like this is this is a this is a subjective morality kind of kind of judgment, as opposed to you know because again now we find ourselves in a situation if that embryo is implanted and uh, it takes, but at the same time then something goes wrong with with the with the you know the birth not just not the birthing but the pregnancy then you can't abort because you're murdering a child um what happens if they're trying to implant this embryo and it doesn't implant then who is who is who is being who's going to be charged with murdering murdering a child right kind of makes no sense well and um the you know uh, IVF clinics have always, you know, discarded surplus, you know, embryos. embryos. Yeah. Always. But now um, they can be held liable because uh, yeah. they're discarding a, a child. child, frozen child. Um, it gives it gives new credence to the don't throw the baby with the bathwater. Oh, very funny. Actually, wasn't funny. It sounded funnier in my head. Then I said it out loud. I was like, "Okay, that was kind of gross." Yep. <laughs> not not appropriate. <laughs> not appropriate. But I don't know. Um, <clears throat> it, it, it's so what what the what Alabama did <clears throat> is they went back to um, a law from um, eighteen seventy two. Oh my god! To um, to make their case and um, and. It, uh, it was a seven to two. So, you know, nine people on this court and seven of them agreed. I feel um, like every law that we're following that's over a hundred years old needs to be reexamined. Yeah. But they held, they upheld this 1872 wrongful death law and an amendment to the state constitution, which made no distinction um, at all about, you know, 
life and that so the lawsuit could proceed. I'm like, really? You're hanging on 1872? Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure where... Um, it just seems so far overreaching to, you know, it's my life, it's my care, and it's sitting in a test tube in a lab frozen, but that's a child? I don't, help again, me. I know I again, always say I don't get it, but really, I don't get it. Again, biology lesson, these, these are cells that, yes, under the right conditions and time will can develop into a fetus which can be birthed as a human child but but yes it's that it's that that's that's why it becomes a morality thing and we know yeah. where certain people's morality lies especially when the morality becomes politicized um as as well and again well good for you alabama and saying you're taking the moral high ground where's your moral high ground in terms of services for after the child's born to help right you know help help all the struggling families and was Alabama I'm gonna look this up was Alabama one of those states that refused Medicaid expansion I don't remember I'm gonna look that up now you were about to say yeah, something you say up. that one while I, I continue my rant um, there you go yeah well the thing so it's okay it, you know operating in a bubble because you're not nobody's looking at just like you said okay so this but you're not willing to take care of the child when they're actually born and you know, you're not a, a you're, um, you know, pro-birth, you're not pro-life. Um, but right. it, it, not looking at the, the domino effect, because one in six people experience infertility and need um, IVF. And um, so what's, so it's going to be increased exposure to wrongful death lawsuits, um, which of course is going to increase the cost of of IVF services mm -hmm. as if it wasn't expensive enough. Um, and then you're also opening yourself to, to legal exposure. I mean, you, and you'll have um, clinics shutting down, fertility specialists moving to other states, which is already happening with, you know, um, OBGYNs and, and, you know, uh, medical professionals who, you know, are there for women's health needs are moving elsewhere. They're moving out of states where, it's just too hard and you're risking your, your life and your, um, your degree and your license and just not willing to do yeah. it anymore. So, so Alabama has, has not expanded Medicaid um, and basically is leaving $2 billion of free federal money on the table because they don't want to do that and cover more people and it says um, pregnant women are covered under Medicaid up to 146% under um, family paid leave. And it continues for up to 12 months after the baby's born. So basically, you got a year to get your act together. <laughs> yeah, because that's easy to do with a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God. Oh my I, God. I guess, Make it stop. You know, Make it stop. Well, it's, you know, when, when Roe v. Wade was overturned and not, and other things, you know, um, all voting rights, mm -hmm. you know, act violations that have been going on for years, you know, people like you and I and, and others, you know, continue to sort of 
holler into the night, like there's more coming, like this isn't the end, like being able to look well down the road, like the impact of, um, you know, just overturning Roe v. Wade takes on, you know, it's a domino effect in every area of reproductive health. Um, And saying that states get the final say over all these questions, which includes what defines a person, like really the state yeah. gets to decide that this frozen thing in a test tube is a child. Here, here's some other fun facts about Medicaid expansion. 90% of the cost of it is covered by the federal government. 90, that's nine zero is covered. The states only have to contribute 10%. And an, under the American Rescue Plan, additional federal funding is available for the first two years of that expansion. So 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 less less than 10%. And the Alabama Hospital Association supports this expansion and says in recent years, dozens of hospitals have closed or are in danger of closing due to lack of funds. And we know that when we don't, that when we have deficient healthcare support, again, disproportionately affects women of color, because that's yes. just how the state is. Um, so yeah, that flo- I didn't realize it was so high, 90% of the costs of Medicaid expansion, like you not expanding Medicaid, you're basically saying we do not care about poor, unhealthy people. Right. That's what you're saying. Yes. yes. Oh my God. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, and this is, this is, you know, again, one of these examples of, um, by, you know, I mean, look, just by talking about this, you went and looked up something else that maybe right. you might not have. Or, I might, or I might not have. down the road, maybe. Um, and also, but, but, where's the morality here? I love that the whole, the whole, the whole premise of this whole like, you know, the the embryo is a child is the morality of we got to save the unborn children. But these are the same people who are like, we will not take two billion dollars to cover ninety percent of the expense of expanding healthcare for folks. Yeah, yep. like there, the the morality hypocrisy is stunning to say the least well and and connected to that you know the medicare thing is you know in terms of you know entitlements to you know they want gop wants to raise the age from 65 to 70 in order to receive benefits well the average lifespan for a black man is 69 so yes that's I am moving full time to Barbados. Forget just winter. I think I'm just going to be here all the time. <laughs> well, it's funny because the my um I'm at my mom's in South Carolina, and and this past weekend, um, my nephew and his wife and their four kids came to visit, and um, you know, <clears throat> a group of us in my family are working our way towards getting Italian citizenship, and mm. you know, it takes a little while, but he was um, my nephew works, you know, um, virtually like you and I. And so mm-hmm. we, we were at the zoo on Saturday and we wound up in this conversation. Of, he was like, you know, I think I'm just, we're, I think we're taking the family and moving to Italy because I can work from right. anywhere. And I right. said, well, <laughs> let me know when you go because I'll go with you. I can't, I uh, just can't I know. Take I know. But the downside, of course, you know, the downside of that is then, is then we're, you know, you, you're just leaving more yeah. people with these archaic ideas to run the country. And it's just, yeah. um, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let's, let's move on to something that maybe is 
not as exasperation or are we just doing all yeah. exasperating news today <laughs> so um one and i learned about so i want to talk about jp jp morgan's personal librarian uh okay. who was a black woman and i actually hadn't heard about her till this past weekend um but she was a black woman who chose to pass as white um and it's really um, a remarkable story um, that uh, uh, she convinced J.P. Morgan's son to make the the library this um, you know in New York City to make the entire library a gift to New York City, um, and um, and that library. Uh, is thousands and thousands of visitors every year and scholars and researchers but it's and and the reason it caught my attention was because we now have a country hell-bent on burning books and banning books and and you know librarians moving again another group of people and um you know very educated uh, people moving to other places where it's it's not you're not risking your life to be a librarian um, but she, for more than 40 years, the collections in this, uh, uh, in this Morgan library, she, she, for four decades, she acquired, um, and curated the collections. Um, and she was a black woman, but quietly passing as white. And she did that in order to work for one of the most powerful men in the United States, uh, JP Morgan. And she, um, just spent, you know, over 40 years in, amassing these books and collections and you know to make it available to to everybody in the world and the big question that always comes up you know when when you start reading about um <clears throat> i'm sorry her name <laughs> should have said her name um belle de costa green um was her name and she um you know there's always when you when i went and did more research and was reading about her it was interesting that that mo the, one of the questions most people ask right off the bat is, did J.P. Morgan know that she was black? Um, and no one, and even family members like his great grandchildren, and so you know, people Morgans that are still um, mm -hmm. the Morgan uh, dynasty is still alive and well, but she uh, even they don't know. Um, but uh, it was just to to imagine that. Um, you know, for more than 40 years being a, a black woman and choosing to pass as white in order to, you know, further um, uh, this library and to further education and to, to make it, and working to make it accessible to everybody. Um, so I just. I'm, I uh, I'm, I'm looking up, I'm looking up pictures of her and i i encourage you all to to look at the pictures and <laughs> there's a piece of me that's like how does man not know she was black yeah i mean i guess i guess you see what you want to see but but okay um some okay i can see in some of these pictures okay how she can get away with it so Yes, definitely. She showed up in some spaces doing more work to pass as white than not. And 
um, once again, you know, some might be listening and saying like, well, why did she do that? Why did she, I guess, perpetuate this quote unquote fraud? And again, survival will make you do things, <laughs> right? For some people, literally, literally a matter of life and death. For some yeah. people, literally the only way they're going to be able to get a job and provide for their family, like it's not, it's not from a place of willful intent to harm. It is literally from a place of survival when it when it doesn't matter if you look black or not, if it is found out that you are you know, that whole one one drop of blood taints you, um, then absolutely you do what you can to get by. And um and it's and what's fascinating, again, we we go back to and we read we read about this in the book cast, and it's what's fascinating was when, you know, Jim Crow days and previously when in the US it was this whole like if you have like a drop of black blood in you, you are no longer white, you're black. And we know, we know that Nazi Germany appropriated a lot of Jim Crow era segregational practices. And they said that was going too far. Right. They said that, for example, if, uh, if an, if a German and a Jew had a child, that child was now improved because he, they had German blood in them and they were treated as the child of a German and accepted in. So if the Nazis are saying that one of your principles is a step too far, like that, if that doesn't give you cause for pause, I don't know what, what will, but yeah, that was, that was the thing. Well, it's the, you know, choosing to, to, like, why would you choose to pass as white? And like thinking that, you know, looking at, like thinking about it now in the context of um, <clears throat> a lot of years, you know, what are we looking at? So 80 years later, at least, mm -hmm. 90 years. I keep forgetting what year it is. And, and <laughs> I keep forgetting a whole lot more time has gone by since I was born yep. than I realized. <clears throat> but she, um, her father was a um, was dean of uh, Howard University Law School, um, mm -hmm. and um, he was a civil rights activist and advocating for civil rights. Uh, and she couldn't uh, she couldn't take that on if she was going to continue to pass as white. She couldn't embrace his teachings. Um, even though she was very much steeped in it. Um, and her mother was part of a, an elite free community of black people in Washington, DC that had been free for generations, not freed because of the civil war, but had been freed long before that. So she had to, she had to give all that up um, yeah. and not that on. And she had to give up the idea of having a family of her own. She couldn't marry and have children if she wanted to keep her identity as J.P. Right. Morgan's white personal librarian, because to have a child would be to take the risk that her child would not look as white as she did. Right. Um, and um, and then it would jeopardize her family, um, who was, you know, they weren't just financially dependent upon her, 
but their identity as white people hinged on her identity as a white person. So there was this huge responsibility, a huge sacrifice. And I don't know that, you know, if when someone asks is, you know, did, was there some, any freedom in any of that? I don't, I don't think it'd be tough to say. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but she's, but I also, so I, I think it's just, you know, important to talk about her and important to recognize that the, that this library and this place in New York city, that's so established and so, um, you know, the brilliant thinkers of the world have come to this Morgan library and it's her right. legacy. Yeah. So. Yes, it is. Um, let's wrap up with some voting, elect some voting news. We are in an election year, and um, yeah. as 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 it always goes, some folks are trying to roll back some voting rights. Many, <laughs> many, um, many. Although I will say that what I'm looking forward to is New York State, um, mm. <clears throat> several states: Louisiana, Alabama. Um, New York have all been they've it's all been um, they've been legally required to change their very gerrymandered maps um, yes. Louisiana and Alabama of course you know keep fighting keep fighting keep fighting but have lost the fight and so they're they're being you know the redistricting is going on <clears throat> the thing about New York State is that um, <clears throat> excuse me that with the change in the maps there's the potential to flip at least six seats Okay. Uh, which makes me happy. Yes. So what we have um, here for this story is that um, U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit upheld a lower court's ruling that private citizens and groups like the NAACP cannot bring lawsuits on yeah. a provision that, provides, per, that forbids discrimination in state and local election laws. So basically what it's saying is like, you know, you, you just mentioned the, the congressional maps that were drawn that were heavily gerrymandered. And in order for that change to come about, they had to be sued. So it had to be taken in court and the court yeah. decided, yeah, those maps are all kind of messed up. You got to change them. So now this ruling is, is removing the ability for groups like the NAACP. We're, we're keeping an eye on things like these from bring in uh bring in lawsuits against this now this uh you know the expectation is this be challenged it'll eventually work its way to the supreme court and who knows what will happen when when it gets there um but but this will again affect uh black and brown voters because that's you know folks like the and organizations like the NAACP and so on are are the ones looking out for when we have voting laws and regulations that that suppress the vote and suppress the votes of you know ostensibly progressive voters which tend to mostly be where black voters land yep and voters of color and women voters so yeah that's happening well, and he, so he, and the thing about um, what's challenging about this is, is that at first it was oftentimes something comes before, you know, the fifth, 
circuit or the eighth circuit or 11th circuit court of appeals. And it's just a three person panel that makes a decision. But then what can happen is somebody comes along, comes, you know, responds with, well, no, I want the whole court to weigh in. So then they have mm -hmm. to go back and redo it and, you know, redo the conversation and a new vote so that they all vote. And that's what happened here is at first, you know, the three person panel, you know, shot it down. Then they wanted, I think it's called en banc, where you want everybody, you know, the whole bank of judges, you know, saying something. Mm -hmm. And now it's flipped. And so nobody can, no individual can, um, yeah. can sue. Oi. I don't know. Three um, steps forward, two and a half steps back. Well, it's what's the biggest, one of the biggest challenges about it is that the, um, uh, the Department of Justice cannot handle at all the, all of the cases that right. need to be taken care of. So this is another one of those that just to clog up the system. Yeah. So get out there and vote these crazies out of office. That, that uh, you know, we often, we often say things like, you know, in many ways, these politicians are all the same. Politics is all the same. It doesn't matter who is in office, and there are there are some instances where that is true, and especially in times like these, it really like it matters so much more. We have like we actually have like some Republican politicians, not like in Senate or even I think in the House, but a lot of more local politics. Republican politicians in some states, and this is where it starts. We're talking about, you know, saying things like, "If all if if all these women weren't voting, we wouldn't have so many progressive woke <laughs> people being elected." So we might have to look at, you know, repealing the ability of women to vote. And I'm like, right. I'm sorry, am I am I like having an auditory hallucination when I'm hearing this? No, I meant to look up. I meant to look up some of the names, and it's not just one person either. Like, yeah, there's yeah. there's beginning to be like a little bit of like ultra conservative MAGA groundswell around this, and I'm like, I don't. This this is unreal. It is. It is unreal, it is, and it's just it like is unreal, and it shouldn't be ignored because, like, you know, we we right. ignored the whole push to. Uh, repeal Roe v. Wade and look where we are. Well, everybody ignored, well, Trump will never be elected in, you know, back in 2016. And I exactly. kept going, Exactly. 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 And now we're here, we're about to be here again with yep. folks saying, oh yeah, he's never going to be elected. We've experienced what he's like as president. We had the whole January 6th mass. Yeah, ain't nobody voting him in. And you know what? Yeah. Not that, yeah. It's, not, it's not that clear cut for a whole host of reasons. I think there will be this is this is my prediction, and I hope I'm wrong. I think there'll be a lot of folks on both sides staying home this election because I know, like you know, there's a lot of buzz around because of Biden's handling of the whole Israel Gaza yeah. genocide that a lot of folks are you know who are like, oh yeah, well, I mean, I don't like Biden, but I gotta vote for him because we can't risk getting Trump back in office. And so I'm like, you know what? staying home because we partly can't a good conscience vote for him either yeah. and it's so it's gonna yeah and if enough i don't know do that we're gonna wind up with trump in office again this is this is true this is true because none of none of, none of those 
and they they are they are i think enough uh with it, what has been you know referred to as rhinos republican in name only they are some conservatives who are very clear that they're not supporting trump either i don't know yeah. that it'll be enough to offset those who are not supporting biden but yeah it is a hundred percent possible that trump gets reelected, and um and he's already talked about all the craziness he wants to do and it's crazier than the last time and yeah so i don't know i don't know and he's got a whole new group of people who are willing to help him do the craziness because you know keeps finding these people keeps finding these people so anyways um yes um if there's anything i want to invite you to take from these headlines is that um maybe for some of you in your circle of people friends family maybe in your town maybe in your city or state things don't seem as um in your face dire please know that like behind the scenes there's still a lot of people putting a lot of effort into undoing the progress that's been made and please don't take it for granted that things are okay they're not i think you know they're not but but there's still a lot going on that we don't hear about and we won't hear about sometimes until it's too late like the whole what is it uh um project 2025 um, yeah the whole the whole thing about like you know granting granting um to the office of the president basically the rights of a of a king or a dictator like the office of the president um becomes more powerful than any of the other branches because you know we were set up with that system of checks and balances and We've got these, you know, we've got the Senate, yeah. the House, the Judiciary, the, the President's Office, most Ex- the most powerful branch. And it's not on purpose. What, what do you mean it's not on purpose? It it's is on not. Purpose. It's not the most. Uh, oh, oh, gotcha. Right, on right. Purpose. I, I on purpose. Right, right. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Because again, this country was founded in the efforts to not repeat a monarchy situation. <laughs> and, now, and now we have... We have this this sect of conservatives who are like, no, we 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 want it to be that, and we want it to be Trump. So the whole point is, if Trump gets reelected, they want to really push that in place, as opposed to like, oh, I'd love to see y'all push it in place, and Biden Biden gets reelected. Don't you don't you want King Biden then? No, you want King Trump, and it's like that's like that's a real thing. <laughs> like, I know. Go go I know. go Google it if you're hearing about this for the first time. Go Google it. Go look it up. There is a real movement uh, towards pushing this. Again, three steps forward, two and a half steps back. So we have to keep doing our personal work. We have to keep doing our political and community work. Um, and yes, keep making the effort to vote, 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 vote. Um, and, and forget allegiance to party. Please just be allegiance to common sense, be allegiance to protecting the disenfranchised, um, you know, for to protect the least of these um yep. because yeah it may not affect our daily life but it will it will affect us <laughs> it, yeah, it will it, it will affect us because everything we'll oh, that won't happen yeah well yeah well yeah yes yes it will yes it will so thank you always for joining us in this journey and in this work thank you for the for the 
intentional choice to do your own inner work and also be out there. Um, and part of that work is letting others know what needs to be done, letting them know about this podcast, which you can find on all podcast platforms and um, online. If you've got that friend who doesn't know what a podcast is, um, at with love and justice for all dot please visit projectsanctus.com to see all the offerings and activities and events that we have going on and what may serve you um, like either our affinity groups or our self-based uh, course uh, that we got up there and where you can make a donation so thank you again for listening and until we meet again let's get our holy on